0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Genesis chapter number one and verse one, in the beginning, God how he believes that it all started with him. It all started with him. Created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. This is how it all got started. But I want to turn your attention to verse 2 and verse 3. First of all, in in verse 2 here. We understand that it says about halfway through that verse, And the Spirit of God moved. The Spirit of God moved. And then in verse 3, it says, And God said. And I simply want to use as a subject as we endeavor to teach the Word of the Lord tonight, I want to use as a subject obeying the Word and following the Spirit. Very simple. But I'm going to tell you there's a lot in that, and that's what really we're all striving to do, right, is to obey the Word and follow the Spirit. And uh, when we obey the Word, we'll, in tandem with that, be uh, able to follow the Spirit of God. And we know that there's these two things that God has placed in our life, and they do not contradict one another, and I want to emphasize that here in just a little while but they work in tandem with one another. And uh, really, uh, one without the other is out of balance. Everything in God's Word, there's mercy and there's truth. And and, uh, the Bible talks about a diverse weight being an abomination. So everything in God's Word has balance to it. And we have the Word and we have the Spirit. And that's what makes up an apostolic church. Praise the Lord. So let's pray together that the Lord would bless in this service and its continuation in the teaching of God's Word here tonight. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm asking you to have your way. I'm praying, God, that you would touch tonight in this house. Let your Word go forth. We know that your Word is powerful enough to do what is accomplished, set out to accomplish, and I pray that it would not return void, and I pray that the Spirit would be activated And it would move in this house tonight. We thank you so much for what we feel here. Your presence, your power, your glory that is in this place already. Pray that you would move and help us in Jesus' name. And can the church say amen. Thank you so much for standing. Clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated tonight. I'm struggling a little bit as many of you are. I don't know what's bloomed out. I don't know what's going on, but it seems like we get it in the spring and we get another relapse of it in the fall. But anyhow, a little sinus issue, but I'm going to be all right. And uh, so if I get a little squeaky or uh, something like that, well, you'll understand. Uh, Obeying the Word and following the Spirit. There's a lot happening in these few short verses that I read to you from And uh, you know there's a lot that we could talk about here in understanding uh, creation, even from the first couple of verses. There's a lot to be understood in those couple of verses. And there's a lot that people of our day has tried to negate as far as the Word of God. If they can cast out those first two verses and eliminate those first two verses, then they can throw out the rest of the Bible. But I tend to be a literalist, and I tend to believe the Word of God is right, and I believe that the Word of God must be rightly divided. And I do believe what the Bible says, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And I don't believe that there's anything in science that contradicts that, and if you want to have a discussion about that, we can have a discussion about that. And I have taught, and I encourage you, if you'd like to hear a lesson about uh, creation uh, versus evolution, I think on the podcast. We have that on the website, and we could talk about that a little more in detail. But tonight I'd like to focus on this concept of separation and division between light and darkness. A simple perusal of this passage reveals some very important things. First of all, we got to understand the state of things when the Lord steps in the Bible says that the earth was without form and void in other words it was chaotic there was no order there was no structure and as a result of there being no order and there being no structure there was no life there was no future there was no hope and this was the condition of the earth before God intervened in this the second verse that I read to you from the Bible says to compound things that darkness covered the face of the earth and this darkness that is described this this adds a deeper dimension to the world's state of chaos not only was it formless and there was no structure there was no order but it was dark, and darkness adds to confusion, as you know. Uh, you can walk into a room that is filled with clutter. Uh, maybe, you know, there are certain safety precautions that are taking, uh, taken care of, or they are set up in a factory or any kind of manufacturing plant. Uh, they have certain safety things that are placed there. Uh, so that there would not be clutter, so that there will not be accidents because you have all kinds of dangerous machinery that is around. And as a result of that, they don't want people stumbling. They don't want things left out, sharp objects left out, machinery that is plugged in left out. A lot of different things that we could talk about there. And if clutter is there, that's, that's hard enough in, in the light to navigate. You go into a room that is filled with clutter It's hard enough to navigate through that room if it's filled with with all these objects and there's no order to it. It's hard enough to navigate that room when there's just clutter and chaos. But to compound that, if you turn the lights off, it gets a whole lot more confusing and more dangerous than that. And so that is the condition that we read about that the earth was in. Yet there's two things that altered what is described as having been a very bleak situation. And I remind you that there was no order, there was no structure, there was no hope, there was no life, therefore there was no fruitfulness, there was no future, there was no multiplication, there was only confusion. And then the scripture says that there's two things that happened. Verse 2 says, and the Spirit of God moved. Amen. We're a Spirit-filled church around here. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. And we believe that it alters things. We believe that it changes things. We, We believe that it has the power to move things out of your life and to move things into your life. We believe that the Spirit sets things in order in a a person's life. And when the Spirit of God is allowed to operate in a church, it sets things in order in a church. Praise God. And there are certain things that if we'll follow the Spirit of God that may not make sense to us, but it always is going to bring about a logical conclusion. And it's always going to bring about the will of God. And then in verse 3 it says and God says or we see another element here and that is the word of God. We know that the Bible tells us that in creation the world was framed by the word of God. That's what set things in order. You know when you frame something you're you're placing a border on it. You're 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 bringing order to it. You're you're saying this is where this stops and something else begins. And I'm so thankful when the Spirit of God and the Word of God is allowed to work in our life, sin can stop and life can begin. And there's a whole lot of things that are placed in order through the working of the Spirit and the working of the Word in our life. And we understand that these two things, as I've already mentioned here, they, they really work in combination with one another. And uh, we know that, that there are certain things that are called compound elements that, that work together. They're meant to be together. For instance, table salt. It is sodium chloride. Sodium by itself is, is not good for you. Neither is chloride by itself good for you. But you put those two together together. And it brings out a taste in the things that you place it on. And so it is with the Word of God. Uh, When you put it together and allow them to work together in your life, it brings things out of you, amen, that otherwise couldn't be brought out of you. potential is brought out of your life that otherwise was not there, amen, or would never be discovered. Maybe it was just dormant. Uh, you know there are certain things that you've got to do to, to activate certain things. I, I know it's just about hunting season, we, and you've heard me use this illustration, but you have those little hand warmers, and there's some kind of chemical that when those things are crushed and put together, that thing naturally begins to warm up, and they're, they're kind of a nifty thing, and uh, quite an invention. But that's a, that's by two elements working together, two uh, molecular structures working together and and forming uh heat or causing heat well when the spirit and the word are able to work there are certain things that happen there's certain things that that take place and God sets things in order in our lives and uh, you cannot be out of balance you cannot have and 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 I'm Kind of on a different subject here. But, but you know you can't have just all spirit and no word. And the Bible says that if you have all word the letter killeth. But it's the spirit that maketh alive. So you've got to have a proper con, uh, combination of the two. And these two work hand in hand. And they don't contradict one another. Praise the Lord. If you want to know how the Spirit works, then you've got to define it by the Word of God. It doesn't work outside of the structure that is placed there by the Word of God. And we understand the working of the Spirit. We have examples of the working of the Spirit. We learn more about the working of the Spirit as we delve into the Word of God. So you see how these things work together, Word and Spirit. And so this particular passage that I've read to you follows a principle for studying the Word of God that is called the Law of First Mention. That's a very basic theological principle that is used that if you want to understand a thing, you can't just go to wherever it's mentioned and, and build it from there or build some type of doctrine, but you've got to back up from there and go upstream from there and find out Where it is first mentioned, and follow it throughout the Word of God to get a better understanding and a full understanding of what it is you're studying. They call that the law of first mention. So, right here, from the very beginning, in the very first few verses of the Word of God, we're seeing an example of the Spirit and the Word working together. Praise the Lord. And it brings order. And as a result of order, there is blessing, there's life, there's hope that comes. And when the Spirit works in tandem with the Word of God, there is certain things that happen. The Spirit confirms the Word, proclaims the Word, and they work in conjunction, and they bring order to our life. And before God can bless, and before God can bring fruitfulness, and before God can make bring multiplication upon the earth. There first has to be order brought to things. Am I correct? And so we see this in creation as he is separating things and bringing order to things. This belongs here and that belongs over there. And this is where this stops and this is where that begins. There's light separated from darkness. There's day separated from night. waters above from the waters beneath. There's the separation of land and sea and so on. And so in creation, we see the order of things before blessing comes. And it isn't long after this that there's the blessings that begin to come out of this order. And multiplication that begins to come out of this order that God has established through His Spirit and Word. And then... Where the nation of Israel is concerned, we see another example of this, and I'm just giving you a couple of examples here in the Word of God, uh, where the nation of Israel, he calls them out of Egypt, and, and he brings them through uh, the Red Sea and directs them by the cloud. And uh, the Bible tells us that it's here that they are beginning to be formed uh, as a nation, He gives them the law or he gives them the word that they are to live by and the ordinances that they are to live by. And he's establishing structure here. And all of these things, have to he's giving them a new way of worship. We see the tabernacle plan being established. And each one of those things in the tabernacle are a type and a foreshadowing of what is to come. Everything that is happening here has a reason. Anybody that tells you that the Old Testament doesn't matter and you can just cast it out and, and it doesn't really have any significance to us today, the Bible says that it is a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. Amen. When you when you get on the on ramp on the highway of the Old Testament, it's taking you somewhere. It's taking you to Jesus Christ. And so, if it doesn't take you to Christ, then you've taken a wrong exit somewhere along the way. And uh, we understand that that Israel is giving is given these things that set order and set precedence and set things in motion. And there's certain There's certain structure that God is bringing to them as a nation. Why? He wants to lead them into a promised land. He wants to give them blessing. He wants to make them fruitful. He said, I'm going to take you into a land that is a total different system than the land that you've been used to. The land that you you was used to was a land where everything was fed off of the Nile. You, you, you had irrigation, and, and you had to carry water from the Nile to, to have a crop or to water your animals. But he said, the land that I'm taking you to, it's going to be watered from the rain of heaven. In other words, I'm going to send rain. In other words, you're going to have to depend upon me. You can't live with an old mindset and have the blessings of God. You can't live with an Egyptian mindset and really serve the Lord and be fruitful and be multiplied and experience the promises of God. And we understand that they struggled with that. Mindset, And you know what? That is some of the very things that happen in people's lives today. They try to mix the two. And I'm going to get into that a little bit. They try to live in both worlds. It doesn't work that way. They try to live on the other side of the Red Sea in some areas of their life, but yet partake of the promises of God over here. If you really want to understand living for God, if you really want to get the maximum and receive all the potential in living for God, then you must be willing to change your mindset and have faith in God and it takes faith to do that they knew where their source was when they lived in Egypt we can go to the Nile and get the the water of the river this is the way we've always done it This this is what we can depend on but no longer were they going to be afforded that opportunity when they stepped into the promised land they were going to have to depend on God And we know that the Lord during that 40-year period between was trying to shape them into a faith mindset when he had them depend upon manna from heaven. And there were even those that, that tried to say, well, this doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, if we got the opportunity here, we better stock up. We better take it home with us. We better put it in the cupboard because I may not feel like coming out here and collecting it again. But you know what? That is exactly what God desired for them to do is live day by day in faith. Give us this day our daily bread. You know what I need today and I depend on you to give it to me. I walk with you. I put my faith and my trust in you and I'm not depending on the world to be my resource, but I'm depending on you. Amen. As long as you depend upon the world to bring peace to you, you're going to be sadly let down. As long as you're Depending on the world to be your source of fulfillment and completeness in life, you're always going to have a void that is never satisfied. But if you ever learn to depend upon God, He'll give you everything you need, He'll direct every step, He'll show and reveal to you the way that you need to walk. Amen. Praise God. And you know, living for God is that way. It's, 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 It's not always your head in the clouds. It's not always caught up in the Shekinah glory. It's not always experiencing the shout. And I love the shout. I love to rejoice. I love to worship. I love to dance. I love to to get in the presence of God and experience those what we call high church. I'm thankful for that. But until we learn how to walk with God, we'll never be able to run with him as it were. We'll never be able to leap and, and experience. You, you know, the Bible tells us uh, that, that uh, uh, we, as we walk with him, that, that we're walking by faith and not by sight. That's difficult for any of us to grasp. That's difficult for any of us to really get our minds around because we see things and fear strikes our heart. We read things in the news and fear grips our heart. I'm going to tell you, when you're living by faith and you're living trusting in God, you see this in a total different perspective. Some people, they read the morning's newspaper and it causes trepidation. But for us, we realize that he is in control. And we know that the day is drawing near, that we're fixing to go home and be with Jesus. And so it doesn't speak dread to us, it speaks hope to us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful to understand that tonight. Not only was the nation of Israel, not only were they set in order as a nation by laws and their worship, there was structure to that. There was things that was expected of them there. But also as you move into the New Testament and the church, you'll see that the church was established, and there was order to the church. and. Many times you see in the Apostle Paul's teaching him bringing order to things and further teaching in areas, uh, bringing a definition to the moving of the Spirit in the book of 1 Corinthians and revealing that there needs to be order in the moving of things, and the flow of things. But Jesus even said to Simon Peter when he asked him, Who do men say that I am? He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Flesh and blood had not revealed that to you. But he said, Upon this rock or upon this revelation of truth, I'm gonna, this is going to be the fundamental foundation that I'm going to build this church on. This is going to be the order that I'm going to build it on, the revelation and understanding of who I am, the truth. The understanding that I'm more than just a man, but I'm God manifest in flesh, and I've come and dwelled among you. Hallelujah. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And order requires a division of things. We understand this in the natural. We don't really have a problem with that in the natural. We sort our laundry. And, uh, you know, uh, you get to church, and you get under these... Brighter lights, and you pull up, and you notice you got one blue and one black. That's when I sort my own laundry. Thank God for a wife that's not colorblind and that she can sort it out. And uh, I, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, got to church and looked down, and they had two different shoes on. You can't blame that on colorblind. Blame that on a lot of things. But you can't blame that on being colorblind. I could give you a few ideas what you can blame it on, but I won't do that tonight. But we sort things out. We put certain things in our, I hope you do, put certain things in 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 our closet in certain areas where we can go to it and find it. And uh, so there's order there's order there. And you know you don't put pots and pans in the bedroom? Or you may. I, I don't know. I, you don't move a stove in the bedroom? You know, I better get off of that because we're living in a different world nowadays. But there's things that are sorted out, right? And There's, and there's order and there's structure to these things and you go into a library i remember the first day as a freshman in, when i went to college in stockton and of course one of the entry classes was understanding the library and teach you something about the library and how to find resources you're going to be writing things and you're going to need to know how to find it and, and i'll never forget i don't know somewhere along the way this fella missed it but I remember them saying something about the Dewey decibel system. And this guy hollered out. He said, who's Dewey? (laughs) I said, I don't know. I don't know where he's from, but he better figure out who Dewey is pretty quick or he's going to be in trouble when his first assignment comes due. But I haven't figured out just exactly how to navigate Dewey myself. I mean, when I go to the library, I know pretty much by those first few letters and numbers where I can go to find something, but sometimes it throws me for a loop because, you know, they get out pretty long sometimes. So there's order to things. If you just went into a a library that had 10,000 volumes and they said, you know, we got it here somewhere, well, man, it may take you 10 years to find it because, they have all these resources, but there's no order to it. I remember I was with a uh, preacher for Brother Green down in, in Porter and years ago in Revival. And, and he uh, he said, I told him about a bookstore that had some books that he liked. And he said, let's go over there. And I said, now, Brother, he's, this bookstore is not real organized. I said, as a matter of fact, it's kind of an old house. And I said, there's books everywhere, and you can just barely make it through, you know. And if you touch one of those big towers of books, the whole place may fall down. I said, the best thing to do is ask this guy where it's at. He can find it because he knows where it's at. Well, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was because it was so disorganized. But we got there, and he walked in, looked around a little bit. He said, let's go. He said, this makes me way too nervous. This is too chaotic. He said, too confusing. Let's go somewhere where they they got it where we can look at it and we can discover it. We can find out where it's at. You know, chaos and confusion and these kinds of things, uh, it brings other troubles into our life, brings fear, brings unnecessary anxiety into our lives unnecessary worry into our lives. And there's some things I just want to tell you, brothers and sisters, you can never bring into order on your own. It takes the Word word of God and being obedient to it, and it takes the Spirit of God and being led by it to bring that kind of order into your life. Some of us feel like, well, I'm self-sufficient. I can make it. Well, I'm going to tell you, all of us discover at one point or another that we need someone besides something outside of ourselves. And that is God to help us. Can you say praise the Lord? Even, even cooking, uh, I don't know much about it. Uh, one of my sons was bragging on me when he was a little boy. I said, yeah, uh, he was feeling pressure, I guess. Because everybody around was was bragging on their dad and what he could cook. And he said, my dad can cook too he makes cereal. I was feeling pretty good about it. I mean but you know some people so bad they may not be able to do that, but even with that, there's order to it. And there's certain things and certain amounts of things, and you can't get the two mixed up. and uh, there's order. We accept that there are certain things that cannot be mixed or put together but have order. In fact, we understand that there are some things that if they are not separated, there will be an explosion. You take certain products, they're, they're never to be mixed. You're not supposed to mix vinegar and bleach. it will have toxic fumes. Ammonium bleach, toxic vapor. Uh, rubbing alcohol in bleach makes chloroform. And so these are, I don't want to give nobody any ideas. But I'm just telling you, there's certain things that we know to keep them separated. We know that certain flammable materials, we need to keep them in safe containers and away from any point of ignition because it could be dangerous. I've read stories of tragedies uh, where people were either blinded or burnt badly because these things in a garage were not separated. These old chemicals that were left out. And, and as a child, they got into those things. There's a reason why it says on that container, keep out of children's reach. Because we understand there are certain things that have to remain separated because they're toxic. And if they are combined with something else, they can be toxic. We understand and accept the danger of mixing certain things in the natural, but we don't accept many times this in the spiritual. We accept it in the world of biology. We accept it in, you know, I have went to hospitals, and they say, you know, you, you, before you can go into this room, you have to put the gloves on, you have to put the mask on, you have to put the apron on, and, and go in before, you know, it could even briefly go in and pray. Or they have... ICU units, critical care units, where they have people cordoned off and separated. And we understand that in the realm of the medical field and biology. We also understand, as I've already mentioned, in chemistry, there are certain things that we can't mix up. We understand in mathematics, we understand the need of not mixing certain things. But some people don't accept it when it comes to the kingdom of God. But let me ask you, where do you think the concept of separation and order came from? It began with God. God isn't the author of confusion. The devil's the author of confusion. The devil is trying his best to mix things up. The devil is trying his best to blur the lines and confuse things. He wants to take the lines of separation engender a way. And he wants to, con- I mean, there's people, young people that are so literally confused. And I read, I don't keep up with these people, but I read somewhere, because I was doing some study on this, I read somewhere where one of these celebrities, and I can't even remember the name because, again, I don't follow them, uh, where made the remark, well, I'm raising my child to when they get a certain age, they can choose whether they're male or female. Well, darling, you don't get that choice according to the Word of God. Male and female created he them. Amen. And so there's this blurring of the lines. And it goes with morality also. There's no perimeters on morality. There's no no lines and no limitations on morality. And, and uh, so we, we've got people that are perverted in their minds and have given themselves over to perversion because they don't want the constraints of separation. And then again in the religious world we also see this and we understand that it is contrary to the word of God. Things have been demented. Doctrines that are sacred in the word of God have been blurred and whitewashed and and, uh, there's a progressive movement that says that this only means what it means to you and I in our circumstances, in our situation. And they view the Bible through that lens rather than taking it as the forever settled word of God as we're admonished to in the Scripture. And that's very confusing, folks. People say, I don't live under the law. And I do realize that there's certain Old Testament laws, dietary laws and different laws of that nature that have been done away with with the New Covenant. But even those laws reveal a purpose to us in the New Testament. Even those laws have a foreshadowing of something to come. And the principle, in other words, still remains. Again, it's a schoolmaster that leads us to Christ. And don't chafe against law. Law brings order. It brings structure. And order brings blessing. Law and order being debated in our country feverishly. I mean, there's folks that, you know, there's campaigns that are made and they run on the concept of law and order. I can't imagine anybody wanting to run on anything else, but that's actually a, a campaign slogan. I'm a law and order candidate. But laws actually bring liberty. Laws protect life. They don't destroy life. They protect life. And where there is no law, there is death, and there is no life, very simply. And and it offers hope. Law brings hope. It brings future. Biblical principles bring liberty. They bring abundant life. They bring hope to you and I. Living by the principles of God's Word protect us from some things. Amen. It's all a matter of perspective and how that you view it and don't let the God of this world blind your eyes so that you see it in a distorted manner. You know, that's what the Scripture says. It says the God of this world has blinded their eyes. He wants to distort people. He wants to get people transfixed on one little old thing and one little nuance, and they keep tripping over that, and they don't understand the big picture here. It's amazing. They can get focused on one thing, and give up the whole the whole blessing that is encapsulated in being obedient in that one area. Amen? Living by the principles of God's word protects us from things. It protects us from addiction, for instance. It protects us from sexually transmitted diseases, for instance. I mean, these are just basic things. So the next time someone says, because you live for God, you don't get to do this or that, why don't you just agree with them? Because the Bible said agree with your adversary while he's in the way. Agree that, yeah, because I do these things, I don't have to be addicted. And because I do these things, I don't get to have a busted up marriage. And because I live by these principles of morality, I don't have to experience the things of this world as far as the diseases, the venereal diseases that are transmitted because of an immoral and loose lifestyle. But I'm protected from those things because I'm following the Spirit and I'm obeying the Word of God. And when separation takes place in a person's life, when separation is allowed to when the Spirit of God is allowed to move and the Word of God is obeyed in a person's life, there's a natural thing that takes place. We gravitate more towards wanting to please God. And we drift away or we turn our back to the darkness of this world. And I believe direction has a lot to do with things. You know, I... I've seen people that were coming to God, and as long as they're headed in the right direction, you know, I don't expect somebody that just got the Holy Ghost last week to be Patty Pentecost the next week and to understand everything and be able to quote the entire New Testament and know everything there is to know about all the things that they should in the Scripture. But if they're headed in the right direction and they're living for God by the things that they understand and they are taught as the Spirit directs them, then they are going to end up continuing on, and God's going to reveal those things to them. But at any point they decide in their heart to rebel against following the Spirit of God. The Bible said the Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. Amen. Just because you came and got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you got all that you need to get. You've got to keep obeying that word and following the Spirit of God. And that takes another word we don't like, and humanity doesn't like this word, and that is submission. That takes submission. Submission and that takes a willingness to maintain that just because you were submitted 20 years ago doesn't mean you're submitted now just because you were submitted back there when you got saved doesn't mean that you've maintained that submission oh praise the lord but you you, you that's something paul said i died daily i got to bring this old flesh under subjection daily i got to get back to the altar and get take up my cross daily Amen. i got to get back and let this flesh. He actually talked about mortifying the deeds of the flesh. Oh, praise the Lord. And so the Spirit of God moves and the Spirit of God is well able to convict us of things. How many believes that the Spirit of God can, can, can definitely direct us and we can feel when the Spirit is grieved? The Bible talks about grieving the spirit of god it also talks about quenching the spirit of god don't confuse the two understand that you can feel that you know quenching the spirit is being obstinate and saying i'm not going to do that grieving the spirit of god is maybe being hesitant or or maybe doing something overstepping the spirit of god and doing something that the spirit and immediately you feel that when i I'm sitting there and I don't stand up for my principles when there's somebody that is violating. Maybe they're maybe they're speaking vilely. Maybe they're cursing and 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 I, I understand that that there's a certain element of this that you cannot escape, especially in our world today. But I also know that we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, we we shouldn't just sit there and, and absorb it if we don't have to. Amen? Uh, we shouldn't just sit there and giggle at the, the, the dirty joke. And we shouldn't just uh, get along with that just because uh, maybe there's something deep down within us that, that secretly enjoys that. Amen? So we're grieving the Spirit of God. Maybe there's, there's something that you are partaking in and something that you're doing. And suddenly, you know, the child of God... That has lived for God any period of time learns to recognize that voice of God, learns to recognize when He's grieving the Spirit of God. And it takes a little while to develop that. And there's times as a new convert that maybe you come in and, and you, you, you trample over that little initial uh, nudge that you may feel from the Spirit or that small voice that you feel. From the spirit that that moves upon you, and and maybe that's not a good idea, but you go ahead and transgress that, and you go ahead and 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 cross that line, and suddenly you you feel that jolt. It comes on stronger. Am I helping anybody here tonight? And and then you learn to recognize. If you keep trampling that, the spirit of God is a gentle thing, and no longer will you be able to discern it. You won't be able to feel it if you just keep trampling over and keep abusing it and become callous to it. You'll no longer. That's why it's so important when the Lord convicts that you be willing to listen. You be willing to adhere. You be willing to submit to the Spirit when you hear that voice. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about here tonight? Because that's how you can begin to justify things after a little while that are not pleasing to God. That's how a lot of apostolics begin to justify worldliness. Is because they they keep pushing that edge of the envelope and they keep pushing the edge of the envelope until they've moved it into an area where they no longer feel convicted about it anymore. Their heart is no longer grieved about it anymore. That's a dangerous place. That's not a sign of maturity. That's a Sign of digression. That's a sign that something's wrong. But if you're growing and developing and maturing in God, there's a desire that says, Lord, I want to please you at all costs. And I know and understand that the blessings of God and the goodness of the Lord being upon my life is more valuable to me than anything that I could obtain in this earth or anything this old flesh wants to partake of in this earth. Amen. Because all of this is temporal. It's the the moth and 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 rust and 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 the dust is going to overtake it. But something that's going to stay and be consistent is my soul. And so, if I want my soul to be saved, I got to listen and I got to adhere to the Spirit of God. And so that Spirit of God directs us, keeps us kind of like a guardrail, gets us back on track gets us back in line it gets us back to this word amen and again it shifts things and it moves things in our lives the spirit of God and the word of God is likened to a sword word of God is likened to a sword a sword is I know we we use it as in our arsenal those of us that are living for God and serving the Lord. We, we talked about it Sunday night, about when Jesus was tempted, how he used it as a weapon against the enemy. And I believe that the Word of God is that. It's a sword that can be used as a weapon. But the Bible also indicates to us that it's able to cut away things. The sword cuts away things from our lives and separates. The Bible talks about it being so precise, the Word of God, that it divides between the joint and the marrow. My understanding of that is, is that's very precise. Matter of fact, there's some doctors, there's some, there's some that 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 say that it's that it is so microscopic that you you, you know it's laser precision to get between the two, to separate the two. But that's how precise the word of God is. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. You know the Word of God is an active thing. I believe the evangelist talked about uh, this a few weeks ago when he talked about the preceding Word of God that proceedeth out of the mouth of God and how that the Word of God is a preceding thing and God is still speaking through His Word. It's alive in other words. It's not just something that was written down and is not applicable and can only be looked at as ancient history, but it's something that is alive and is still having an effect upon us today. The Bible said it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What are you trying to say? Have you ever heard a preacher get up and preach the Word of God, and you wondered, man, has he been reading my mail? He's been listening to my conversation. He got, he's got, he got my phone tapped. no. That is the Spirit of God dealing with him, and it's an indication, and and it underscores the fact that the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent. And you know, the Word of God can keep us and prevent us from doing things that will destroy us if we'll be obedient to it. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm so thankful that there were certain things that, though I didn't understand at the time, Daddy understood the curiosity of a little boy. And he said, leave that alone. Stay out of that. Don't go over there. Don't touch that. And there's many times that if I had not listened to him, there would have been grave danger involved. So now I'm going to do this. I'm going to back this truck up through here and hook it up to this trail. I want you to stand over there and you don't come over here. And in my curiosity, I could have said, well, I'm big enough to get out of the way of the tra- truck when it's backing up. And I don't, you know, I don't have to be obedient to that. I don't have to submit myself to that. But I'm so thankful. And that's just a minor example of what I'm talking about. But God, if I'm willing to obey his word, he can keep me out of danger. He can prevent things from happening in my life that would bring destruction to me. Amen. Praise God if we'll adhere to the Word of God, if we'll obey the Word of God, there's certain things that the Lord can reveal to us through His Word. We don't have to experience heartache. We don't have to experience trouble. We don't have to go through those things as a result of just being obedient to the Word of God and following the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, because really that's where it begins, obeying the Word of God. I obey the Word of God. Somebody says, well, I don't feel everything I'd like to feel when I come to church. Somebody just recently said that. I don't feel everything I'd like to feel when I come to church. Can I tell you that if you'll obey the Word of God, submit yourself to the Word of God? The Bible says that His Word is like a hammer that breaketh the rock into pieces. And if you'll if you'll obey the Word of God, that hardness that you've been feeling be broken up, maybe God's testing your desire and saying, you know what, I'm going to submit myself, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to expose myself to the preaching of the Word of God. I'm going to let the Word of God do its work. I'm going to be obedient to it. And then when we're obedient to the Word of God, in other words, when we repent of our sins, the Bible forgives us of our sins, but then the Spirit of God fills our life. You don't get the Spirit without obeying the Word first, do you? When you obey the Word, then the Spirit comes and confirms that and works. The Bible said they preached the Word and signs followed and confirmed the Word. And that's the way that it still works today. When I obey the Word, God will confirm it. And I'll, I, I don't do things out of feeling, but I do things out of obedience. And when I'm obedient, then I get the feeling. And I get the experience. And I get what I need from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. But that, that separation from, from darkness, I, I'm bringing this to a close. But, you know, Abraham went through this process, and we could study his life, and we could find that there were separations many different times in his journey when there were separations that had to take place. Somebody would say, well, when God called him out of the Hades, he left his family's home. That ought to be enough. But it wasn't Because there was a time When strife arose And debate arose And there was contention Between he And Lot Or Lot's herdsman and his And he said hey He said you go that way I'll go this way You go that way I'll go that way But we got to separate I'm going to tell you somebody wants to strive against you living for God and serving the Lord and being obedient to God, you need to cut them loose. I hate to, I hate to be, be so emphatic about it, but you know what? We, we, we cause ourselves a lot of heartache by the people we hold on to a lot of times, by the people we attach ourselves to. We cause ourselves, I'm all for helping people, backsliders, people of this and of this, but I'm not for helping people that want to fuss all the time. I'm not for, uh, when I say help, but I'm for being merciful when they're ready and all of that. But what I'm talking about is I'm not going to fuss and fight with you and argue with you. Amen. You know as well as I do what the truth is. Amen. When you get to a place where you're ready, then I figure you'll you'll come around. But you know, there's a lot of folks out there that are ready. And so we're going to focus our attention. I don't mean that in any kind of demeaning way, but what I'm saying is, is that I read in the Bible about a man by the name of Jonah that caused the mariners of the sea to have to go through a storm that they should not have had to have gone through simply because he was on their boat. Can I tell you there's a lot of storms that people have to go through because of the people that they ride with. And you you got to look around and decide, am I riding with the blessed folks or am I riding with those people that have a curse on their life? And if you, and if you keep riding with them people, you're going to end up being like those people. Amen? I mean, it's a principle that even people in in leadership and in the world, they understand this principle. They got this principle. They said, you know, show me your, I mean, even business leaders, they say, show me your five closest friends, and I can tell you everything I need to know about you. Well, there's a lot of truth in that, a lot of truth in that. And so he had to separate from Lot in Genesis 13. He would already separated in chapter 12 from the heir of the Chaldees. And then in chapter 14, he had to submit himself. This is a man that was blessed. He was wealthy. Things was going good for him. He had to submit himself to Melchizedek. and, And he paid of his tithe. I'm going to tell you, finances reveal whether or not we're really submitted or not. That is where we, that's the test. That is the test. It's the test. And I was telling somebody the other day, I think everybody has to learn this test. I had to learn this test. Can I just be open with you? I had to learn this test. There was a time in my life when when, when I thought, man, I have so little, and I don't see how I can possibly uh, pay my tithe and give my offering. I just don't see how it's even possible. And so I thought, you know what? And everything was busting loose, and I thought I, I need a break job, and that's... I, I and it wasn't no small feat. It was a big deal to get a brake job on that vehicle. And, and I'd waited to get the brake job until it had run the whole drum. And so I had to buy another one of those, and, and plus the regular. And I didn't know how to fix it all, so I had to hire somebody to fix it. And we're, we're talking about California here, and so it, it's expensive. And, and I was looking around, calling the salvage, you know, and finally it dawned on me, you know what, you're burning up every bit of your money. And you have thought that you couldn't make it paying your fine eyes. I said, You know what? I'm gathering up all the back ties and everything. And I took it over to the preacher's house. And I said, Here, I laid it down. I said, Here it is. I got to get this curse off of my life. And that was the day that I really won the battle and submitted myself in that area. And when I did, from this day or from that day to this, I have I can stand here as a testimony that I've never been late on a bill. I've never not been provided for. You can tell by looking at me, I've never gone hungry. I've been protected and watched over and God has taken care of me and I've been blessed because I won the battle in submission. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. If we're going to call Him God, we got to be submitted to Him. Praise the Lord. And this is when... Uh, You know, somebody said that's when his name was turned from Abram to Abraham. Some country boy said that's when he got everything as far as the ham and all the trimmings added to him is when he paid his tithes. I don't know if that's true, but we do know that there was something that happened. There was a shift in his life that took place when he submitted. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 12 he reached another point in his life when he had to separate. And this was a hard one because he had got outside of the will of God. He had had a child. And, and now that child was not what God had intended or way that God wanted to do it. He got into a position where he was in the flesh and thinking in the flesh. And, and this was not the will of God. And so the Lord spoke to him and said, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. Do you imagine the the attachment that was there by this point? Cast out this son. Get rid of this boy that is his own flesh and blood. And, of course, this is a very difficult thing for him to be willing to do. But it's a teaching point for you and I. We're to understand that at some point in our lives we're to yield to God and say, God, I'm going to be obedient to you so that I can experience the blessings how many wants the blessings of God? Would you stand to your feet with me right now? And let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Come on, lift up your hands to him and let's, let's just yield to him right now. I thank you, Jesus.